grab your popcorn and snacks, find a comfy spot, take a seat or lie down, and let me transport you to a place of fantasy, ghost stories, ancient legends, odd creatures, alien encounters, and other magical topics. You may even decide to join the conversation. From faraway lands to your own backyard, with a small dash of pixie dust, turn out the lights and open your minds. The journey is about to begin. Good evening, everybody. How's everybody doing? I hope you said well. The rains are finally slowing down, at least for today and tomorrow. Oh, my God. It's been raining all day. Like the house was going to flow away. I had this really weird, really weird dream the other night that my house was floating. I woke up, and it was kind of like Gilligan's, that, 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 that one, like, Gilligan's Island thing that they did where the, uh, the huts were all floating in, in the middle of the ocean. That's what I felt like because my whole neighborhood was floating like that. It was really weird. Anyway, it must be all this crazy rain. And I got a note here. Hang on one second. Okay. So it looks like we're having issues connecting to Facebook tonight, but that's okay. We'll deal with that when we get to it. Anyway, my name is Charlotte. I'm going to be your host for the next hour. And uh, I'm also the owner of the California Haunts Paranormal Investigation Team based out of Sacramento, California. We are 45 strong up and down the state. And that means we can get to you. California is a big state, so we have people in, in, you know, up and down different towns in the state. So that means it might take us a couple hours to get to you, but we will do that. We will get to you. So that uh, just be patient. We're here to help. We also have branches, or affiliates rather, in Oregon, Washington, Nevada, and Hawaii. So check us out there. And again, we're having issues with Facebook. So hopefully my Facebook audience knows to go over to YouTube, which I which I think they will, because they usually do that if they put the backup on that. Anyway, if you're, I was going to say, if you're watching from Facebook, we're not going to go there tonight. If you're watching from YouTube, there's that little ghost right there in the bottom right-hand corner that if you like what you see, please be sure to click on that ghost and uh, subscribe to our station. We have 480 videos sitting over there, more than actually. And uh, we have like lots of different topics, not just paranormal. I'm a journalist. I, I I covered crime and courts during my career, and I was an editor of three different papers. So I like to vary the topics that the show covers. So I think there's something there that you will like. And if you do like what you're watching tonight, be sure to share it with people in your house, your friends, whatever, because we're always looking to have extra subscribers come in. Tonight we have a great guest. His name is Craig Weiler. And he kind of put, he put science into, the, into his study of the paranormal. But we're going to be talking about parapsychology tonight. I'm going to let him explain that. But I had a friend, I have a friend, that, that uh, Nancy Matz, who's on here on Fridays. And, uh, so, you know, medium Nancy Matz. And she has gone through testing as a psychic. And uh, I think it's kind of related. Uh, he can correct me if he wants. It's fine. Um, it's kind of related to what we're going to be talking about tonight. You know, looking at mediums and, and looking at their skills and seeing if they, we can sign to, you know, get, get that validation scientifically or otherwise with them and it's kind of interesting to to hear people talk about that because i think there needs to be a lot more of that because there's you know you've got your good mediums but you've also got the ones that aren't so good you know people people go to the ones that aren't so good thinking they're good and you know it's just, it's, it makes a big old mess but anyway i'm going to let him talk to you about what he does before i mess it up but uh, i apologize too ahead of time i got his name wrong in the in the intro to the show you know you guys know how i am about names every time right there's going to be a name to screw up. I'll find it. That's why I don't do TV. That's why I do this. <laughs> um, okay. Anyway, so let me bring him in, and uh, we'll uh, have a good talk. Here we go. 
Hi, Charlotte. Hello. How are you? Fine. Thank you. It's great to be here tonight. See if there's a name to screw up, I'll find it. No problem. Uh, you know what? Uh, we'd only corresponded via email, really. And uh, wow. my name uh, is spelled W-E-I-L-E-R. And a lot of people sp say Wheeler because that's yeah. how it sounds. But it's, uh, you know, I spell it that way just to mess people up. There you go. It's on purpose. I know it. I yeah. knew it. See, I knew it. <laughs> so, <t> so tell me about you, sir. Well, uh, for your listeners, uh, my name's Craig Weiler. I'm a parapsychology journalist. I have written about parapsychology since about 2008 when uh, blogs first started being a thing on the internet. Uh, mm -hmm. I got into it largely because I just decided to, uh, I'd always been uh, into psychic stuff and I decided to start blogging about it. And I immediately got a lot of blowback from skeptics. This was, uh, this was really interesting for me because they're, um, you know, they, they seemed so certain of what they were saying. Mm -hmm. And this being the internet now, um, you know, I'm, of course, old enough to remember what it was like before it, but now I could go check whatever they were talking about. And it wasn't really all that difficult. So they told me that there was no evidence for psychic abilities. So when I went out and looked for scientific evidence and I found it, they said that there was a challenge for a million dollars and why didn't I take it? So I investigated the challenge and I found out it wasn't any good. Mm -hmm. And uh, this led me slowly, uh, but uh, <clears throat> slowly but irrevocably down the path of getting into the science of psychic ability. And once I started to get into it, I was hooked, absolutely hooked. So I, I began looking into the studies, learning how to read scientific papers, uh, you know, getting into the theory and everything else. Uh, and I even went, I even, um, when there was a conference near my home and I went and attended that, um, I joined the parapsychological association, which mm -hmm. is very hard to join. You can't just randomly join that one. They have to invite you. So, uh, I ended up, the reason they invited me was I ended up writing a book about, uh, skepticism and parapsychology, and it was very well received within the community. Uh, and then since then, the, uh, the greatest thing that ever happened to me in terms of parapsychology was COVID because all of the conferences went online and now I could attend them. Right. And now I start, I started to actually get to know people. Uh, and so many of them already knew my writing uh, from a blog that I did for a while when blogs were actually a thing, mm -hmm. it kind of died off now. Uh, and now I'm working with uh, paranormal daily news and uh, I'm their science editor which uh, the owner just loves. And Absolutely. so, yeah, so, so from there, uh, I've, I've been involved in the, the world of parapsychology for, uh, since 2008, and uh, it's a fascinating field. Uh, I was in the New Age movement, and I got into the paranormal stuff, and this is way beyond that. It's, it's really, really amazing. When you talk about the test not being very good, tell me about that. Well, why did you feel the tests were very good? Well, okay, this was this was a test for uh, where you know you win a million dollars from James Randi if you can pass his test for psychic right. ability. Right. Okay, that was the test. Um, I wrote about this extensively in my book, and if you want to get into granular detail about it, you'll have to read the book. Okay. The short story is that it, this was basically a publicity stunt. 
He never, ever intended to pay out that money. He was never really curious. This was all the way just to draw people into his skeptical organization and make money off of them. Uh, there were several problems with the challenge. Uh, the most, the one of them being that it was just too hard. Uh, mm -hmm. And he was relying on people's ignorance of psychic ability to design tests that nobody could pass. Mm -hmm. uh, you typically do this by making them very short, very difficult, and filling them with pressure. Mm -hmm. And if you do those three things, pretty much anybody will fail a test uh, mm -hmm. with psychic ability. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. The uh, when you're testing for it, the the results tend to take a take a nosedive over what you could do when you're just sort of relaxed and letting it flow. Right, right. Um, and, and particularly when you're testing over time, the, uh, the, the numbers aren't quite, the, the numbers aren't really terribly high. So if you set this really high bar, nobody's going to pass it. So for example, mm -hmm. if, if you made a jumping test and you said, well, if you can jump over this 25 foot wall in one leap and clear it completely and make sure that you don't touch any part of it on the way down, you get a million dollars. That's kind of how the test was. Yeah. I have seen tests like that. And, you know, I've worked with psychics for a long time, you know, the last 20 some odd years. And, and I don't know if, if you found this certain psychic, you know, there are certain psychics that can kind of do it all, but I've found that psychics have certain abilities that, that they're good at and certain ones that they're not so good at. That's certainly been uh, my experience. Uh, the, uh, and a lot of this, when they when they break this down into testing, uh, they do uh, screen people to find out what sort of abilities they have and and what their personality has to say about their abilities because your personality has a lot to do with what your abilities will be. Mm -hmm. um, for example, the uh, one of the one of the more blatant ones is that either people are extroverted or introverted. Mm -hmm. If you're extroverted. Um, getting attention from other people for your psychic ability will be a booster. Mm -hmm. And if you are an introvert, it will act as a negative. Sure. Yeah. So for example, that. I'm, I'm an introvert. If you put me in a crowd of people and say, show your psychic ability. No, I'm just, mm -hmm. uh, I'm going to immediately pull back. Sure. And there are other people that just love the attention and their psychic ability will actually shine everybody's different and your psychic ability will reflect that. I can understand that. So what's the difference between parapsychology and the paranormal? Uh, so, so, so the paranormal is basically uh, all of us who are not scientists sort of exploring the paranormal, um, not doing, not doing super, um, super specific tests, not really doing a lot of controls or stuff, just sort of ignoring it for our, our own uh, interest and, uh, and learning. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. So for example, if somebody wants to visit a haunted house um, that, that is not a scientist, then you're not taking a whole bunch of notes. You're trying to document stuff as much as you can, but you're just doing it for your own, for, for learning experience and to share what you've learned. It's still valuable information uh, but it's not science. Uh, science is an entirely different animal. So these people uh, who do the science are almost all PhDs. Um, it's either a master's or a PhD uh, to become a regular member. Mm -hmm. when, you're, when you're a scientist, you're doing uh, either very detailed investigations or you're doing 
uh, controlled experiments where you're trying to to remove the variables so that you can learn something specific. And then these things are brought to uh, journals and and other members of the organizations so that people can share what they learned mm -hmm. uh, and determine whether whether that particular study, for example, that they did uh, passes muster. Mm -hmm. And if it does pass muster, then it gets published in the journal and then it becomes part of the aggregate of information that everybody shares. And then you build off of that. That's science. When you're when you're building when everybody's working together to make sure that the information is accurate mm -hmm. and that you're building on that information. Hey, come on, get over here. Sorry, I have a cat in here. That's okay. That's okay. <laughs> I'm going to let him out of the room. Give me just they a second. They want to be on too. It's all good. <laughs> so here he is. This is Germanicus. He just wants to be on. That's all. They're all like that. <laughs> all right. So now I'm not going to have any more distractions. Anyway. <laughs> So uh, science is about building on the knowledge that you've gained and building on everybody else's knowledge before you. Uh, and parapsychology dates back uh, about 160, some, uh, 170 years, somewhere. Mm -hmm. uh, it goes all the way back to the origination of the Society for Psychical Research in uh, London, England, uh, where, they, where they first started scientifically uh, documenting uh, and documenting mediums, psychics, and poltergeist events in order to learn more about them. Has there been, you know, in the studies that you've done, has there been anybody in particular or a case that that has really impressed you? Uh, I didn't actually, I don't do studies myself. I report okay, okay. on them. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Or is there uh, ever been a story that, that, that you've done, you know, that, or uh, something you've reported on that's been really impressive? Okay, the probably the most single impressive story uh, was back in the 1970s when a researcher called uh, Stefan Schwartz uh, was looking to find out whether extremely long radio waves had anything to do with psychic ability, telepathy, remote viewing, and that sort of thing. They were trying. They were trying specifically to rule out the last thing on the list. They'd already ruled out every other electromagnetic frequency because those were much easier. But uh, uh, but extremely long frequency waves are incredibly difficult to rule out because they go through everything. Mm -hmm. So he managed to persuade uh, somebody to loan him a submarine because submarines would would actually block out um, these waves. So this was off the coast of California, and what he had, what he did was he had some um, uh, some psychics uh, who were extremely good at remote viewing look for a shipwreck off the coast of Catalina, uh, that's in Southern California, about mm -hmm. four hundred some odd miles away from where these uh, from where these remote viewers were, and if they could find that uh, find a shipwreck that nobody found before down on the bottom of the ocean out, uh, off, of, off of the coast of California, then uh, extremely long frequency waves would be ruled out. Mm -hmm. So the thing you need to know about finding anything on the ocean is that it's extremely difficult, even if you know exactly where you're going. Uh, you have to literally be within a few feet of something to find it. Mm -hmm. uh, 
in you know in, in a, especially in a submarine where you don't really have good visibility so they're they're out there looking for this submarine looking for a shipwreck that the that these remote viewers said was there uh, according to some very specific uh, coordinates that they were given mm-hmm. so these remote viewers gave them the coordinates in the middle of the ocean about where they were going to find a shipwreck that is in itself kind of amazing and they found it wow. it's all on video wow. uh it was it actually became part of a uh a tv show mm-hmm. uh called i think in search of uh narrated by leonard nimoy uh and you can find you can actually find that on the internet still so this is this is a psychic task that simply can't be completed any other way right they, right. they found they not only found the shipwreck, but it was exactly the way that the um, that the remote viewers had described it. Uh, in other words, they uh, they described things that the that the sub was going to find, and mm-hmm. it found them. They're originally off course. Uh, they were they were a little too far away, and they weren't finding it. And so they checked the coordinates again that the that the psychics had given them. And when they got exactly on those coordinates, that was when they found the shipwreck. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, that's it's an amazing story. That is that's absolutely incredible. Why do you think you know people that have this ability or psychic ability in general is so controversial? Uh, it's controversial because uh, people don't want to believe it. Uh, there's a uh, in 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 the world that's really basically all there is to it. They don't want to believe it. Uh, they've uh, science in general is about what you can measure. If you understand that about science, then uh, when you when you look at a lot of the paranormal, it has to do with consciousness, uh, mm-hmm. thoughts, ideas, uh, transferring in unusual ways, and this is not measurable. So you have science dealing with something that's not measurable, and you have people that simply cannot wrap their heads around something being real and not measurable. But this is basically how this works. Uh, the uh, reality isn't what they think it is, but they're trying very, very hard to have reality be what they think it is. Uh, and that's you know, the the general view is called materialism, which means that you believe the universe is made out of material. Uh, and when you push at this, and when you look at the research, for example, from parapsychology, but also from physics itself, Mm-hmm. You can come away with, you can use that exact same data and make the argument that idealism is actually uh, a universal thing. So idealism means that you believe that the universe is made out of ideas, mm-hmm. uh, that, that consciousness is fundamental to physics. So you have people that strongly want to disbelieve that consciousness is fundamental to physics and they will do absolutely anything to stop it and, and basically stubborn people. Mm-hmm. What is it like as a reporter to cover these stories? Mind blowing, absolutely mind blowing. There is some stuff in parapsychology that uh, I'm just going, oh, what, what, what? Uh, one of the, so I was at a, a conference last year uh it was a large 
a scientific conference with the Society for um, <clears throat> the the SSE, scientific, mm -hmm. the Society for Scientific Exploration, and mm -hmm. it was paired with the Parapsychological Association. They had this huge four-day conference, and um, one it was just an off off the cuff comment by one of the researchers. His name is uh, Bill Bankston. He does a lot of psychic healing research, and what he discovered was that uh, he would do some psychic healing in a particular spot and then would come back later and that site would still be doing, that site still had healing energy after he was done. So you have this information that's being imprinted in objects. Mm -hmm. the, the physical reality is actually getting imprinted with information. And uh, another a parapsychologist who, who investigates poltergeist cases and the such, uh, mm -hmm. Lloyd Auerbach, right. he argues that this imprinted information is the same thing as hauntings. That basically these are, you know, hauntings are people who are sensitive to information that's been stuck in physical objects and they're reading it. And this is what a haunting is, is they're reading this old information, much like a movie. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. When you look back on the history of people looking into this stuff, what differences do you see from them to now? Um, so parapsychology has a, a long history and it's, it's an interesting one. They began, uh, it began in obviously uh, in, in England when they were studying poltergeists and mediums and all this sort of stuff. And that was investigative science. So they would bring, they, they would have investigators, again, PhDs, people really steeped in science, good reputations uh, and, and that sort of thing. And they would go out and they would, they would test mediums as best they could. Mm -hmm. uh, and, then, and they would investigate poltergeist cases and they would write up these reports. And so that was basically how the science was done for a very long time. And then you move into the early fifties and then there was a scientist, uh, he's actually originally a botanist that got into parapsychology, and his name was J.B. Rhine. Uh, and in fact, there's still a Rhine Institute out there named after him. And he's considered the father of modern day parapsychology. He went and devised tests, uh, lab tests for psychic ability. He started out with playing cards and dice and things like that to find out if you could investigate psychic abilities uh, psychic ability statistically uh and he published books and he published papers on this new he was actually quite successful uh even with what we now know are some very primitive methods mm -hmm. but this legitimized parapsychology because now what you couldn't really question you you couldn't question whether the investigators were seeing what they were seeing they had numbers now uh, and the, uh, the skeptical response changed to simply lying about what had been discovered. Uh, so, so we've moved from doing investigative stuff to doing lab studies with statistics and all this sort of stuff. And, the, and uh, from then, from J.B. Ryan to the present, the lab studies have gotten increasingly sophisticated, uh, especially with computers, uh, mm -hmm. to create better, better tests. Also, um, Researchers have broken down over, over this period 
uh, as they as they got better tests and they got more data from testing, they were able to better tell better better able to uh, choose what worked it what worked for for psychic ability and what didn't work for psychic ability, and to start narrowing that down so that they would have more success in the future. Fascinating. I can tell you. Know, I can tell you. I'm just like you're a, you're a reporter, just as I am, coming in from a um, journalistic uh, background and working with psychics like I did. I was real skeptical at first. You know, when I first met him, I, I thought it was hilarious. I mean, I, I had a lady that was channeling, and I thought, oh my god, I'm in here with Sybil. You know, but then after watching them for so long, like you have, this stuff is incredible. I've seen psychics on cases make people cry. Because there's stuff that they that the psychic knew that there's no way that they should have known it. Yeah, and that's actually you get used to that after a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so with psychics, yes, that's uh, you know, they. Um, so one one researcher called it uh, dazzle shots when when the psychic would just get something that just couldn't be contested. I mean, you know, it's for example. Uh, you, you know, a psychic uh, in, in one experiment said, you know, I'm picking up clocks chiming everywhere when they're when they were reading somebody's father. And and uh, the woman immediately connected and said, oh, he had clocks all over the place. This man was a master clockmaker. So coming in with information like that, that is so out there, so off the wall. And be dead on with with something that's so specific and um, and extraordinary in terms of uh, you know not being a lucky guess or anything. It's just you had to actually know this in order to do it to to, to say that. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely, that stuff is very convincing when that happens. Absolutely. Now that being said, are you convinced uh, by the scientific evidence? I would say that the scientific evidence is about as strong as you could hope to have it. Uh, there are, if if you're looking for one particular study that's just been done for well, 40, 50 years now, it's the Gonsfeld. This is a telepathy study. Oh yeah. And um, if you if you look on uh, the Sci Encyclopedia and you just kind of scroll down to the references. It's it's like uh, two hundred of them of scientific studies. Uh, there like there've been over like fifty research fifty different researchers from several different countries uh, running. I think well over five thousand trials of this. Uh, there've been skeptics who've done it. There've been um, you know other research researchers uh, from from different coming from different backgrounds. And when you have that many different people. Uh, doing an experiment and coming out with successful results, you can pretty much know that you've had enough eyeballs look at it. And if there was anything wrong with this this type of experiment, somebody would have caught it. Uh, and the, the skepticism that they use is kind of pathetic at this point. There really isn't anything to grab. So if you're looking for the experiment, that's the one. If you say, well, you know, we want it's published in the best papers and we want this to be of the highest academic standard. Mm -hmm. Well, that's a precognition test by Daryl Bem. Uh, he got it published in one of the uh, most elite psychology journals. Uh, and he replicated this one, too. And then people are still fighting over that one. That was that's a it, can you describe that? 
Can you describe that for people? Because a lot of people probably haven't seen that. I mean, probably oh, on TV, but I mean, how is it really done? Which which experiment are you talking about? Uh, the Gonsfeld. The, the Gonsfeld. Yeah. So the, the Gonsfeld is a, a telepathy experiment. So all you have to do is control for sights and sounds. These there are two people in different rooms, and they can't see each other, and they can't hear each other. Right. There's, those are your controls. And that's pretty, pretty easy to do. So the per, there's a sender and that person gets a choice of four different uh, pictures to choose from. Or rather, a computer randomly selects a picture from four for them that they see. And they try to project that, that picture to the person sitting in a um, sitting someplace else. We'll, I'll get to them in a second. Sure. So this this sender. Uh, is doing what the, this is forced choice, meaning they have to choose between four different pictures. That's an important part of it for statistical reasons, because now we know that a guess is 25%. Mm -hmm. All right. So the receiver is laid back with white noise in a really comfy chair and the, the lights are down. They've got ping pong, half ping pong balls over their eyes so they can't really see anything. And they're just kind of drifting back there just without any distractions. Uh, and this is where the name Gansfeld comes from, which means total field in German. And they're just kind of laying back there, chilling, and in this sort of relaxed state where they don't have any real input uh, from their physical senses, then they can pick up whatever's being sent to them. Uh, and then they'll, they'll, you know, say, well, this was, this was the impression I got. And then there, then that is sent back to graders who weren't involved in the first part of the process. And they say, okay, we had these four pictures here and we had this description. What does this description match? So, with chance being about 25%, they'll get it right. The, the receivers will get it right roughly 33 to 34% of the time. Uh, and this has been consistent throughout the, guns, the history of the Gonsfeld, is they're hitting about 33 to 34% on average. Wow. Oh, yeah. Wow. Now, what's the theory behind psychic abilities? Uh, in order to in order to get to the theory behind psychic ability, you have to take a step back from our normal materialist mindset. Mm -hmm. So we're used to looking. I'll use my example here of a piece of wood. We're used to thinking of the world as something material, right? I right. hold this, and this feels like something to me. Okay, this feels real. Not what's up here. This that feels real. As a general building contractor, I can tell you, this feels really real to me. Uh, so then you have the mind, which doesn't feel quite as real. Mm -hmm. But in order to understand psychic ability, you have to understand that that thing that I was holding is in my mind. It's not, uh, or rather, it's not just in my mind, it's in everybody's mind that we are collectively creating this reality. And it's not just one person. I'm not creating this piece of wood myself. I'm part of every living thing on, uh, in the universe creating a physical reality. Okay. So, and we're all connected. So I can't just disengage myself because we're all part of the same thing. 
Okay. It kind of goes along the line of everything's made of atoms. Therefore, they're not really solid. It's all the atoms put together, and that's how our mind sees it as being solid. Yeah, we're actually uh, touching right. fields. Right. Uh, right. We're not. Yeah, we're interacting with fields. We're not. Act, there isn't actually anything solid out there. It's all. It's it's mostly empty space. Um, so anyway, the we've got this this thing where it's ideas, and we know from quantum physics that the universe is entangled. Mm -hmm. um, which means that there isn't separation from any of us. So think of the reality that we experience, this physical reality that feels so real to us mm -hmm. as a scaffolding over a deeper reality where consciousness is fundamental. So when you have psychic ability, it makes sense because, for example, telepathy is, well, we're not really separated. So, of course, we can, our thoughts are already connected. We're just becoming aware of it. Um, and when you're talking about, you know, affecting physical reality with thoughts, well, of course, because reality is made out of thoughts, of course, it's going to be affected by it. Mm -hmm. and so, so all of this stuff makes sense, but only if you look at consciousness as fundamental. See, that's absolutely fascinating to me. You know, if someone has psychic ability, how can they get tested if they're there, if they think they have ability? Well, your, your best bet is to uh, do an online test. And the Institute of Noetic Sciences, which goes by the abbreviation I-O-N-S, has a test that, that I recommend. It's probably the best one out there for testing yourself. If you're looking for a scientist to test you, good luck with that. That's not going to happen. That's, that's simply off the table. Scientists are not interested in it. There is one organization that did this for a time and then closed the study because they were finished with it. Uh, and that was the Windbridge Institute. They did uh, psychics on media. They did, uh, excuse me, they did experiments with mediums uh, mm -hmm. where they had a triple blinded uh, protocol where, you know, the researcher, the sitter and the medium, nobody knew anything about what was going on. Right. Um, and uh, it wasn't until the results were compiled afterwards that uh, that they were able to determine, uh, you know, how good the, the reading was. So that's the only one that's really bona fide, yep, that's science sort of testing. The rest of this stuff, I mean, even if you're extraordinary, uh, it's really hard to get the attention of a scientist. Um, they're, they're mostly doing their own thing. Uh, the, the luminaries in the field are going out getting research and con and creating and conducting their own experiments to try to find out something specific about psychic ability. It's not just, oh, this person came along, let's look at them. No, they don't mm -hmm. do that. Okay, okay. Now, like like, like you say, you, you write about this stuff, so are, are you gathering your information from older studies or are there newer studies? Uh, there's, a, there's a combination of, of stuff. Every now and then something will pop up from from uh, ages ago, mm -hmm. and and it'll be really interesting. And other times, uh, you know, it's something new that's come along. There's one study uh, that's buried somewhere in the uh, archives, where a guy named W. E. Cox, uh, for I'm using this as an example, did a study on train crashes in the United States and the amount of passengers that were on the train on those trains in the days on the days that they crashed. 
And he found that when you accounted for weather and everything else, and everything else, you know, went through statistically, that fewer people were on the trains on the days that they crashed than when they weren't. So subconsciously, people knew that these trains would crash and avoided them. Now, of course, you can't do that study anymore. Um, right. You know, there aren't enough people taking trains to to warrant that. Yeah, but that you know you see you see that a lot. I mean, like like that 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 famous book, The Ghost of Flight Four Hundred One, by John G. Fuller, when they talk about the airline and the people that last minute decided that they they weren't going to fly that day. Yeah, that's that's something subconscious happening where some people know to avoid it um, subconsciously. Mm-hmm. Um, that and that's actually an area that's that's being studied. Uh, you know how good is the precognition and mm-hmm. um you know is is this stuff set in stone or is it uh is the future uh still uh still pliable it, one particular researcher uh who i literally just found out about this today uh because the parapsychological association had a small uh, monthly get together this guy did something super interesting so in order to make sure that his uh, he had people look at events in the future and in order to make sure that they actually happened, he had in, in say, February, he had people um, find out about this event that was going to happen in March. Right. Mm-hmm. So they would uh, they would be directed to to um, find out about an event that happened in March. Then. They just, and and nobody looked at any of the data. And and then in April, somebody would pick the event after it had already happened. (laughs) And then they would go back and look at the data. By going into the next month after the event happened and picking it, they knew that the event had already happened. So you were eliminating all other possible timelines from your remote viewers. Interesting. Yeah, there, there's some really, really challenging problems with parapsychology. Um, one of them being that we are all connected, so it makes double blind kind of um, useless mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. You're, we're not reminded subconsciously mm-hmm. something's going on. Absolutely. What about yeah. animals? Let's talk about animals. Okay. Um, so there were some there are some studies on animals. Uh, the uh, the chief architect of this is Rupert Sheldrake. Uh, he's I think he's pretty he's getting up there in years and he's pretty much done with doing experiments. Um, but if you go to his uh, if you go to his website sheldrake.com, you can find his experiments there, uh, and you can actually as a layperson you can actually read them because he has some of the most clearest some of the clearest most plain writing in his uh, in his studies that I've seen. It's he's a, he's a very very good writer in terms of explaining uh, what he's done. So his most famous study was about a dog that knew that its owner was coming home. Uh, the dog's name was JT. This was I think he did this in the '90s, and so they would have this person go out his the dog's owner go out. And then come back at random times 
uh, and just been just generally mix stuff up so that the dog couldn't get into any sort of a routine mm -hmm. and to see whether the dog actually knew when the owner was coming home. And as a matter of fact, the dog did know. As soon as the person thought about coming home, the dog would go to the window. Oh, cool. and, and that was the cue. And so um, that was one of his more famous experiments. He did one with the parrot where the owner would, they, they figured out the parrot's vocabulary. And then the owner would think of some words in the parrot's vocabulary. And then the parrot would say those words more often when the owner was thinking about them. So they were demonstrating telepathy between the owner and the parrot. Um, and then there was J.B. Ryan did one, uh, looked into one uh, in the, God, what was it, the 1940s or something, just really, really long time ago. Uh, there was a dog named Bobby that uh, the owners had traveled from Oregon to Indiana. And the dog jumped out of the car to go chase some other dogs. And they couldn't get him back. They couldn't get the dog back. They were there for they hadn't planned to stop in this place except for gas, but they uh, they spent a week there looking for their dog, couldn't find, uh, I think it was a her, uh, and eventually just came home. They had to give up their search. Uh, that dog went from Indiana to Oregon wow. and found its owners again. Uh, it, took it, it took the dog about six months and you got to figure that dog is going over the Rockies and the Sierras and somehow managed to get home. Uh, they did, they did actually go back and trace the path of this dog. Uh, and they found many of the people that the dog had, had uh, sheltered with for a few days to get its strength back up and then continue on in its journey. Jeez. Yeah. I mean, you don't do that except psychically. There's, mm -hmm. there's no, possible physical explanation for a dog being dropped off in Indiana and making its way back to its owner's house in Oregon. No, it just, it can't happen any other way. That's incredible. That's absolutely incredible. Yeah. That, that's one of my, that, that's one of my favorite little ghost stories. What do you think is going to happen? Well, where do you see all this going for the future or in the future? Uh, that's a good question. So what I see in parapsychology is that it's growing. Mm -hmm. uh, it used to be I could kind of I kind of knew what research was out there, uh, mm -hmm. and I kind of knew you know who was active. Now it's just that I run in. I'm still running into people. It's like, what? Who are you? This is somebody who's been doing research for a while. I have no idea who they are. And then another one, and then another one. Um, in fact, I did a um, I did a, a write up on somebody who kind of kept his he'd, he'd done all these uh, telepathy studies, ten years worth. And he kind of kept it under wraps. And I ended up being the one that sprung the story on that. It was uh, uh, Russell Gruber and his Mirror Worlds research. And he was doing some really fascinating stuff on uh, belief and psychic ability because he would trick skeptics into being psychic. Nice. Which was, yeah. Yeah, it was a little bit of reverse psychology. It was hilarious because he'd tell them, don't think about the target. Whatever you do, miss it. Miss the target. We want you to miss this psychic target. And then they would hit it. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> so, so that means subconsciously at some level, they always knew what the target was and, right, uh, right. and that they were missing it intentionally due to their belief system. Right, right, I right. 
Here's a question. Do you think that these paranormal groups are doing more harm than good with, with, with parapsychology? That is an interesting question that I am not the best person to answer. Mm -hmm. uh, I, so I talked to Lloyd Auerbach, who is actually in this field, and mm -hmm. uh, he told me that this does make it harder for him, that, uh, you know, it used to be, he, you know, somebody would find him and then he could go to a... Um, he would go to a site where something paranormal was happening and it would be pretty much untouched until he got there. And now these places are descended on by hordes of paranormal enthusiasts mm -hmm. before he ever gets a chance to get there. And so he has no control over the site, which makes it very hard to do any scientific research at all. Um, you know, and uh, investigating the paranormal uh, as if there are any professional uh, or if there if there anybody who does this seriously, you know what I'm talking about. This is an incredibly hard thing to do uh, because people are just difficult. Mm -hmm. um, the, you know, I've, for for example, you know, it's like, oh yeah, the last house I was in, it was haunted. You should check that out. You know, go go contact the new owners. It's been ten years. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> um. But yeah, it's uh, the, the paranormal groups do make it harder for serious for serious researchers to get in there because the, the researchers, the, the scientists, are looking for something specific. You know, especially something really exotic like uh, poltergeist cases, which are super, super, super rare. Mm -hmm. um, the, there, there's some stuff that they're trying to find out, but you need to be in there within a certain time frame. Uh, otherwise, you're going to miss it all. They, they're typically only active for three to four months and then it all goes away. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And the other thing I thought about as far as the, the mediums and psychics go too, not everybody's going to use the same controls with them, even out in the field. Well, if you have paranormal groups, they're just, they're, they're not going to do things according to a specific scientific formula unless they have been trained in it. Mm -hmm. Now you can get trained. There are, um, I don't have them at my fingertips, but there are uh, two or three organizations that that do legitimately train. I know the Rhine uh, Institute uh, does training in in doing paranormal investigation, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I the Institute of Pneumatic Sciences no, but I think that there's one other that also there are people out there to help with uh, paranormal investigations to make them more scientific, and you can take classes in that. Cool, cool, cool. Good to know. How do you feel about reincarnation? Um, by this point, with the evidence that I've seen, uh, I'm convinced that it's real. Uh, I don't think that there's really any doubt. But it's it's not it's it's not necessarily the quality of any one case. Uh, and there are there are some very good cases out there, but mostly it's just the sheer overwhelming volume of evidence. There are so many reincarnation cases that are good enough that it's just like, yeah, this, yeah, this is real. I'm not going to lose any sleep over wondering about whether that's real. This just, this is enough evidence for me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, I should explain that as a general contractor, um, it, that's how thinking goes in that particular industry is you, you get enough evidence and you make a decision and you move on because that's how you make a living. Mm -hmm. um, when you have a mystery, uh, you press forward. If your decision is wrong, you're going to know it soon enough. You just keep going. Uh, 
and if you know if you're wrong, you're wrong, and then you move on. You don't make a big deal. Uh, you don't give yourself a medal for getting it right. You just right. You, you just get paid. Um, so, in term, when I approach scientific evidence that way, I have a clear sense of enough that when I re reach enough evidence, that I'm not I'm not going to fiddle around with it. I don't have any fear of making a decision. Right. Um, so that's kind of how that is with with uh, reincarnation is there's a lot of evidence and it's enough. If you can be convinced, there is enough evidence for that. Okay. The other thing I was going to bring up too is, uh, you know, you see like on the internet, even these things about, okay, if you want to manifest money for yourself, if you want to you know, make yourself healthier, you want to put it out there to the universe. Is that close to prayer? Has there been a study done on stuff like that, like prayer and all that? Um, Okay, okay. The the prayer studies uh, that are out there are all on healing. Okay. They're they're not on this the concept of manifesting. Okay. So so I'll address that first. Okay. So there are prayer studies out there. They are not terribly conclusive. They're they're very small effects. One of the problems of of testing something like that is that people are different. And mm -hmm. when you're when you're trying to remove all the variables, when you're dealing with people that, uh, you know, may come in with different health issues and whatnot, it's really hard to get the data in there that, that will support something like that if the effect is small. And it appears that with prayer, the effect in most cases is small, that they've studied. Now, this doesn't mean that, somebody, that, that a prayer doesn't like miraculously work for somebody out there. Uh, I can't comment on that from a scientific perspective. Mm -hmm. Only when they're scientifically doing studies, trying to get statistical results, it's not terribly conclusive. Okay. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. Yeah. Now, if you get into the area of like praying for uh, manifesting something, mm -hmm. um, I would say there that you also run into your own subconscious. It's that black box inside of you and you have no idea what's actually going on in there and what your deepest thoughts and fears are. Mm -hmm. So you may, you know, for example, you may be praying for a bicycle, but actually you believe, don't really believe you can have one. Okay. You're, you'll get what your subconscious decided, not what you consciously decided. And, and not knowing your own subconscious, which really none of us can truly do, mm -hmm. um, that kind of thing is terribly unpredictable. Okay, okay. Uh, another question would, that I have, we talked earlier about how do you find your research for these stories? Is it more difficult now to find the research? Um, well, I've covered all the, uh, all, all the major studies uh, over time. So finding new stuff is a little bit more challenging and yet it keeps coming up mm -hmm. uh the uh so there's a i just ran into it today there's a an organization called uh, farsight they run a youtube channel where uh the researcher has set up a a vimeo streaming service where every day these uh these remote viewers are going out and doing remote viewing on various topics well, that's cool. um, some of them are really wild like uh, structures on the moon everything from structures on the moon to uh jack the ripper uh and 
I saw a couple of them today. They're really quite fascinating stuff because these 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 remote viewers who are doing this all the time and they're super experienced, really quick and good at it. Um, uh, so they're doing an amazing job. They have no idea what they're talking about. Literally, they have no idea what they're talking about. Not even the researcher knows what they're talking about until he collects all the data afterwards. And you just see them talk. On the, you see them talk on a subject. You know what it is mm -hmm. uh, because they're, they're telling you in the video, but they don't know when they're talking. At the time they're talking to you, they don't know what they're talking about. So it's, but they're getting it right, and which makes it really quite fascinating. How long does it take you to put together an article or a story? Uh, that, so I work, you know, I work. So of course it, uh, it varies. Um, I've had some that take me a long time and others that put, that I can put together quickly. It just depends upon whether I, I have everything with me or whether I'm actually having to do some thinking. Um, I've had them take like literally a couple of months. Okay. Okay. What's next for you? What? Go ahead. Continue. Okay. Uh, yeah. One of them, like when I was trying to explain consciousness in the last article that I did, that took me forever because uh, it's very, very difficult to explain. Uh, and I would have to keep coming back to the article later and I'd get a couple sentences in and then have to keep coming back. That's one of those deals I get in trouble for when I was on the desk too, because you write the thing and it's over at the editorial desk. And you're like, oh no, there's something else I need to put in there to clarify something. And then they get irritated with you after a while because you keep adding stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. In this case, it was just things needed. To, I kept needing to word things until they got clearer and clearer and clearer because it's it's such a difficult subject. Uh, you know, and then something would come to me and then I go, oh, I know how to handle this now. And then, <laughs> I know uh, the feeling. <laughs> yeah. And then there are other things like when I'm looking when when I'm looking over studies and I have all the papers in front of me and and I've written about this before, then that goes pretty quickly because I know the um, I, I know the sequence of events and I'm just, uh, you know, I'm just narrating. Sure. Tell me about your book now. So my book, Cy Wars. Yes. Ted, Wikipedia, and the Battle for the Internet. Wrong button. Okay, here we go. Right button. Yep, there we that's go. It. Does that. Go ahead. So, so that book, uh, it has two different parts to it. One of them is that I'm telling the story of a huge scientific controversy that took place at a TED Talk back in 2013. Uh, this was uh, a, a situation where Rupert Sheldrake, the, the guy who tested the animals, uh, he had a talk on the uh, on mistakes that science was making in terms by assuming a, a materialist model, and they took his talk down and called it pseudoscience. But they had discussions about it, and and this dragged out for probably about two months. And the fascinating part about that was that all the um, intellectual luminaries jumped in on the conversation. So this got to be a really big discussion. These um, all these intellectuals joining in to basically have this huge fight over uh, the direction of science, and this was all taking place over a dispute on a couple of TED talks. And so I wrote about that in the book, and then in order to give some background, I also included uh, the uh, the back the backstory of what the skepticism was like. Because 
up to that point, nobody had really pointed out how irrational the skepticism for parapsychology is. And I laid out all the organizations and the problems, how it's bled into Wikipedia and all this kind of stuff. And, and how this, these people um, work to suppress uh, anything to do with parapsychology. And that's basically the, the, the sum of the book there that, you know, I'm dealing with all this, uh, I'm dealing with all this background stuff about why there's all this resistance to parapsychology and, and making the case that it's most of it's emotional. Cool. Cool, cool, cool. What's next for you? Um, so what I'm doing next is uh, I, I'm working with Paranormal Daily News. Uh, the owner is Jock Brokus, and we are developing a magazine called Parawise that will uh, meld the paranormal and and parapsychology, the science and the paranormal, cool. uh, into a magazine. We're gonna we're gonna try to get the articles more on a scientific side, but not so much so that everybody's just bored to tears by it. I love getting into the data. I love the fine, you know, I love all the, the weeds, you know, getting down in there and, and all this like super granulated stuff because that's where all the really, really fascinating deep stuff is, but it bores other people to tears. So <laughs> some, somehow, um, you know, we have to get that information to a point where the general public can say, wow, that's neat without having to dive into all the, the, uh, the detail behind it. Right. Right. Well, that sounds like good, like cool though. I mean, I love data too. I'm a data person. You know, I've I've read a few of your articles too. I can admit that because I'm really into that stuff. In fact, like like I was saying, as far as my paranormal group goes, when we go out with a psychic, mm -hmm. I'm very detailed oriented. I have paperwork that's like that thick when we go out for all the team members. We are I'm very yeah. detailed. They, they call me anal. It's so bad. And you know what? If you do that, then you can go back over a few different. Uh, uh, you know, a, a few different uh, events that you've covered. And then by, by, by going over your notes, you can see uh, what's, what's happening or mm -hmm. whether there are any similarities or whether there are any differences or whether something's showing up in certain situations. Yep. When you have that level of detail, you can pick out things that are going on that aren't yep. visible on any, on any single uh, event. Yep. I get accused of being too anal. So that's what I do. And it's based yeah, on right. stuff like, like reading your stuff and other people's stuff. You know, there's there's a lot of skeptics out there that I read up on too as well. And you know, I, I that's where I learn from. Yeah. Um, and you need to you need to learn from the skeptics, you know, like a, a broken clock is right twice a day. Right. That's it. That's it. <laughs> I want to thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. I learned so much tonight. Thank you. It's a pleasure having it's a it's a pleasure being here. Thank you so much, Charlotte. And we'd love to have you on again at some point when you get the other, you know, the, the other magazine set up the way you guys want to or whatever. So we can talk some more. I'd be delighted. Thank you. Okay, fair enough. Well, you have a great weekend, sir. And I'm going to show you. your contact information and everything for you, okay? Thanks. Stay dry. You too. Okay. <laughs> have a good one. Thanks. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, guys, that was great. I learned so much about this stuff. Is stuff you know, I didn't need there's stuff I you know, you're always open to learn. That's and my friend Gloria Young said it right when she gave a lecture one time about the paranormal field, and that there's no there's really no experts. We're all we're all on a learning curve, and that's what it's nice talking to gentlemen like this and Lori Auerbach 
and people like that because because you want to learn from people. I mean, the minute you close your mind, you don't learn anything. You have no business being out there, right? And like he was talking, you know, the minute you walk into a house saying, okay, it's already haunted. Let's just look for the ghost. It's a disservice to your clients. You have to look for everything. And I mean everything. All right. I mean, it could, for all you know, the knocking it in the wall is either the pipes or, or, they, or they've got rats in their walls, right? And if you go in and say it's paranormal, you, you've done a disservice to that client. So it's really, really important to focus on the science and, and, and the paranormal. And, what he, and, and, and he, what he was talking about, too, especially with your psychic team. Okay, now about that. Tomorrow, speaking of psychics, medium Nancy Matz is going to be here. It's casual Friday, and she's going to be here to talk about what she sees, the rest of what she sees for 2013. I'm sorry. God, what year are we in? 2023. Good Lord. It's been that kind of week. <laughs> the rest of what she sees in 2023. So she's going to be with us at 6.30 p.m. Pacific tomorrow. All right. So uh, th th thank you, Craig, for coming once again. I really appreciate it. And, uh, okay, I'm going to give you Craig's lot of contact information and all that good stuff. And I will see you guys tomorrow. So here we go. So website is weilerscyblog.wordpress.com and paranormaldailynews.com. And the book is Cy Wars by Craig Weiler. And, of course, Amazon has that book available for your perusal and your purchase. Okay, guys, and really quick, if you like the show, share it with six people. If you hated the show, share it with six people. Share it with six your enemy. We're good. Equal opportunity here at California Haunts Radio, and we're trying to get the word out. Okay, well, I will see you guys tomorrow, 6.30 p.m. Pacific. Have a great evening. <laughs>